welcome to the Design Thinkers Academy London podcast, where we focus on design thinking and its role in some of the biggest issues facing society today. In this episode, we speak to Arnie Van Oostrom, one of the coaches on our upcoming Design Sprint Camp. Arnie is a design thinker, a facilitator, a photographer, and one of the original founders of the Design Thinkers Academy over in Amsterdam. Welcome to you, Arnie. First up, let's go right back to the beginning. And where did your life in design all begin? That's a big question. Where does design actually begin? I think it began right when I started you know, being aware of creativity and making things with my hands. I think a child is kind of a designer, right? So I remember loving drawing and, and making things. You know, I still play with Lego now. This is where it started when I was a kid, right? Getting introduced to Lego and building stuff and creating things. I've been creative all my life. My father's side is more scientific side because my mother is, a, is an artist. And my grandfather was a, quite a famous artist. And so art and, and drawing and creating and, and making stuff has always been sort of part of my life. So it's never really, there's never really a moment where I thought now I'm into in design. I think that I've been a designer creative all my life, except that the kind of person I am never fitting into systems. I think the world moved towards me at a certain point that I thought, oh, I, or I found my place or something like that. I could use the talents that I had all of a sudden. And I, I, I was like, oh, that's actually useful. So, but I didn't go to design school. I'm a school dropout. I have dyslexia, meaning I never fitted into any system. I was always uncomfortable in systems, still am. But being an outsider, or maybe even more like a generalist or, or whatever the, the word is, generalist or outsider, all of a sudden became something that people valued. And so design to me is, which might not be right for most people, but I connect more to art, this idea of trying and sketching and and trying again and uh, and being always insecure about what you create. So you need to create another thing to make it better and always the search, the search, the search, something I've always done. It's not like in 1992, you know, I, I, no, I've always been a connector trying stuff out and it just grew. Okay. So taking that all into account, when did working in design directly actually become a career choice for you? The word design kind of became more explicit in my work when I started working at a corporate, I don't know why, by the way, uh, different story, but I worked there in communications and I was in charge of the corporate magazine. And I started working with a design firm because they designed the magazine and I became their client. And that was, I think, the first time I explicitly worked in a, sort of a design capacity and being in communications and trying to kind of great, make stories and designing it, thinking about the design of the magazine, working with creatives and designers in an agency. I then was hired by the agency to start running that agency. Again, different story. I don't know why. I don't know, they saw something in me. And then I started kind of becoming more of an explicit creative. So I started running in a creative agency and I moved from agency to agency and I became a creative director and I leading creative teams. But to me, it was always very much the same as working with my band, for instance, you know, creating music together and having all these diverse talents and people. It was very similar, except then all of a sudden there's a client. It's not an art form. So if you play music, and make music and make your own material, 
it's very much about you. And then all of a sudden it shifted to having to kind of understand a client who would brief you. And then you get a brief and you're like, oh, okay, you, you create whatever a campaign or a, or a website or a book or et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I just kind of, I don't know. It just happened. I, I wasn't an explicit choice. Like people would go to school and become designers. I didn't. I, it was just very natural for me to get pulled into that, the world of creativity because the people around me knew me as a creative. So you didn't start using design thinking more formally until later in your career? No, again, the move, the world moved towards me. So in 2000 and probably five, I guess, somewhere there, I started getting fed up with the agency world, specifically because the clients, we weren't really helping our clients. I felt there was some kind of transformation, some shift taking place. And clients were asking us to be creative at the very end of development. So to use our creativity and our, our design, you know, everything we were good at, or at the very end of a development process where all the decisions were made, everything was kind of fixed. Uh, they knew what they wanted. We just put a nice box around it and a ribbon and whatever, and sell whatever crap they were selling. Uh, I got really fed up with that because that was totally not meaningful. I mean, in the beginning, it's really cool to be in design because you're like, yeah, I mean, you know, when we were doing campaigns and it's really cool. But I got fed up with it quite quickly because I thought, is this all, really all? I'm just, you know, helping this company sell more pizza. You know, I didn't really care about that too much. And actually, I could do so much better. I could help them, you know, really help them when they let me into the beginning of the process. And design thinking came along, again, it's more like, yeah, duh, you know, it's like, yeah, like many people were like, I, that's, you know, is that there's a word for that? There's a name for that? And in Europe, service design obviously started emerging at that time. And I wanted to kind of transform my company at the time as a creative director at this design firm. I wanted to transform the uh, company to the service design agency. So we did service design projects, but it was really difficult because there was no market. Nobody knew what we were talking about. So my partners and the, you know, the creatives in the company were like, what are you talking about? You know, we have to design a book or a campaign or you know, a website, but what are you talking about? And so I decided to leave and start Design Thinkers and Design Thinkers uh, Group, Design Thinkers Academy a little later, because I felt that it was time to do something more meaningful. In hindsight, I'm not really sure why I was so sure about that, but I, I was uh, because I'd left the company and I, I started this new thing in a very new way. First, we, I call myself Design Thinkers because I liked the word. We were doing service design which is basically the same thing. But design thinking was mentioned by this uh, professor from Stanford. I was at a lecture and there was a Stanford professor and he mentioned design thinking as, oh yeah, there's this rumor it's, and it's a, they talk about, they call it design thinking, but it's sort of this thing that's in between these expertises, these boxes, and there's this gray area and they call it like design thinking. And that's basically this vague thing he talked about. And I thought, that's interesting. That's where I live. <laughs> That's, I think, I think this is where I am. Oh yeah, because I never fit into any kind of specific box. So, wow, it has a name like many other, not just me, but many people felt that way. And I just looked up the URL, uh, Design Thinkers, and uh, nothing came up in Google. And, and it was only a .com, which is a Canadian event, but it was on uh, about graphic design. It had nothing to do with what we now know as design thinking. But I thought, well, that's the only thing I found how I called my company Design Thinkers, and we were going to do surface design. But it was because I wanted to be more meaningful. I wanted to do something to make the world a better place. 
I wanted to be sort of, and that's a naive thing, but being purposely naive, not cynical, saying, well, you know, it might be really tough. I'm going to try it anyway. Design thinking was a way to stay with whatever is changing in the world. And it's this vehicle to, it's not the change. It is a, a way to kind of serve the wave of change. And like all the agile methodologies and buzzwords out there, it's just a symptom. It is a, it's a language that helps you stay with the change, but it's not the change. Yeah. Um, so I got really interested in that. Like, oh, this is a great vehicle for me to, because there's something going on. And I was curious, like, what's going on? How can I help my customers better? But there's a change. I can't explain it, but here's this language. And at the Design Thinkers, you ran open courses training other people in these various areas of design and design thinking. Yeah, so training, again, it's like, it just happened. I didn't really think about that. So actually I remember, because I founded the company with someone else, Mario Styring, and I remember calling her at one point saying, you know, I just realized that I'm facilitating and uh, I, I didn't know that that was a thing. And I was like, what is that all about? Because I, I actually thought the idea was I came from agency world. I was going to make create concepts, new service experiences, and I, and those would be then implemented. But you know, we would design these kind of concepts and yeah, code co-create them with the clients. Of sure, but all of a sudden I was kind of more a facilitator of a, of these kind of creative processes. Which now in hindsight, like yeah, duh, that's what you do. But that was a new thing to me. I was like, what is this? You know. What do I want to do this? I don't know. Do I like, like I, I want to make stuff. I miss that. I want to create things. I want to build things with my hands. And all of a sudden I'm just guiding other people who make stuff. <laughs> like I'm like, I want to make stuff. So that was a new thing to me. And then also I started noticing that if you have a workshop with your customers and you come up with these amazing new services and everybody's high-fiving, like, that was awesome. What a wonderful workshop. And then they go back to their job and then nothing happens. Yeah. Nothing happens after the workshop because it's an isolated thing. And because of my history also working in corporates and also understanding the corporate environments, and I knew like, of course I can't implement. It's, it's a change management thing is it's huge if you implement a service you know you're really changing something fundamental in an organization and there will be resistance because of all kinds of emotional reasons and politics and what have you so you have to move inside your organization so where service design always said what's well, all about the customer you know it's customer first customer centricity we said no 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 it's about the company first if you can't implement you can't really listen to your customers. You don't have the skills and the culture and the, you know, the system in place to actually do it, then you can't implement. And then it becomes sort of a uh, compromise thing and it doesn't really work, et cetera, et cetera. So we moved into the world of actually what we then called service dominant logic, saying, hey, it's actually about systems. And then I came across systems thinking and systemic thinking, which became part of what we started doing. And we started realizing we have to make it sustainable. So it's about skills and it's about the company. You can't outsource your empathy. You can't outsource your innovation. That's impossible. You have to do it yourself. So we became teachers and, and all of a sudden we started saying, hey, wait a minute, I'm teaching now I'm not just facilitating. Oh, I'm teaching people. I thought, ah, that's interesting. I'm teaching people stuff and they were hungry for this. Teach me journey mapping. So I became a teacher 
director all of a sudden. And then we said, well, let's make that explicit by adding Academy to Design Thinkers. The name was, we were called Design Thinkers. And then we just added Academy to it to say, well, actually, that is awesome because I love this idea of helping people and teaching them and giving them new skills. That became really meaningful to us because it, and to me personally, because all of a sudden I could make a difference in people's lives and careers and, and I could really teach them something. So I thought that's really cool. So we said, oh, let's make that explicit. We'll become an academy. And that, yeah, that, that was a big change. And so again, it's a quite quick evolution of our position as an agency consultancy and then all of a sudden an academy, which I think represents uh, the shift that's taking place in the, the world of agencies, basically, and, and, and professionals, because we all become facilitators. We all become teachers at one point, which is actually really cool. And in regard to the teaching, you are also now going to be one of the coaches on the upcoming Design Sprint Camp, the Climate Challenge that's taking place this November. Why did you want to get involved in the spring camp in the first place? What drove you to want to take part? Well, there are those two reasons. One, as I kind of mentioned, I want to do meaningful things. I want to make the world a better place. So, you know, the topic, the theme of the sprint is relevant. I'm going to learn a lot by being part of it myself. And I want to know more about how can I help my clients, the companies I work for, you know, address this problem, really make a difference. So that's, that's one. The other thing is that I'm really interested in this online learning. So, you know, then the pandemic happened, uh, we were doing online stuff, but that was sort of an add-on. It was like an extra or sometimes even like, oh, really? You have to do it online? Okay, fine. Now, all of a sudden that became the thing, the platform for teaching and learning, really helping companies developing skills. I think it has changed so much. And yes, you know, now what is it, a year and a half? That became the main thing. And so everything I can do to develop my skills and to learn more about this, I want to be involved in it. You know, right from the start at the pandemic, beginning of last year, I started running this Wednesday web jam. So we just forcing myself every Wednesday to do this online jam to experiment and explore with these new technologies and new abilities. And so, you know, I, I got a green screen, I got my lights, I got my whole thing. I got you know, experimenting with all that stuff and all the platforms and with Miro and Mural and, and everything. And I want to be ahead because I'm also a curious person and I'm eager to learn and love kind of this stuff. So I'm like, yeah, let's go. So now I'm teaching people how to do this online because we have to keep this ability. We know it's not going to go away. This is new. And it's not just because of the pandemic. It's with us. It's going to stay with us. It was going to happen anyway. It just sped up, but we were moving that way anyway. We were searching for these online learning platforms. We were searching for ways to do it because we were working remotely. Most companies are working remotely with people. And it's, so it's, it just went really fast all of a sudden, which is to me, it was like, wow, awesome. And also a bit like daunting, like, oh God, I, I don't have the skills. I have to start all over again. I get a lot of positive energy from both uh, being part of these online courses and sessions because I learn all the time and I want to teach people what I've learned. So based on that, what do you think are the benefits of online learning in comparison to in-person? So the benefit of it is that it is more accessible. Obviously, the theme is this, you know, it's around sustainability, right? So if you would fly people in 
from all over the world to be part of this course. That's really a bit weird. So both the theme and the methodology blends together. It's the way it's being taught and the way people are going to be exposed to this kind of new way of working. These are the same theme, obviously. So the benefit of it is obviously you don't have to travel. You can just you know be part of something remotely. So it's easier, more accessible. You can have more diversity more quickly. You can't underestimate that benefit because all of a sudden, all the borders kind of disappeared as well. Whether you're in Africa or in China or, or in US, or in, you can just go, Boop, I'm there. We're together. We can collaborate. We can work. We can share ideas. And because it's accepted now, because you know, before the pandemic, it was like, oh, really? Do I have to turn on my camera? So <laughs> now we're going to get used to it and it becomes sort of an accepted thing to do. People get used to working in mural and Miro and, and the like. So we're like, okay, so we're getting the skills. We didn't have those skills before because before people were like, oh, I don't have a camera or uh, where, what is, how do I make a post-it into mural? We still, no, we're still not there, but it's really exciting to see how all of a sudden all these people we're working with, all these people and companies are developing these skills of collaboration because they had to, and I think they will want to keep that skill. Yes, I think online learning and online work is definitely here today. To sum up, Arnie, have you got any last thoughts or pieces of advice for anyone who is thinking of joining the Design Sprint Camp? Yeah, well, it's an opportunity to get together with people who are really eager to learn and to explore. And it's such an amazing platform for not just learning kind of about design thinking and how to apply that and to make real difference, but uh, also learn how to do that online, you know, in an online environment with online tools and platforms. So we kind of experience that and meeting people who are like-minded and starting these kind of new relationships on a personal level. It is so rewarding to hear other people who come from maybe a different environment, different cultures, different businesses, how they experience this. And, uh, and so it's on all these levels, it, you know, design thinking level, on a technology level, and on a human level, this is a great opportunity to grow and to really start making a difference in wherever you are. Many thanks to Arnie there for sharing his thoughts with us. We look forward to having him on the upcoming Design Sprint Camp course. If you want to find out more about the Sprint Camp or any of our other courses, you can go to www.designthinkersacademy.co.uk. You can also follow us on social media on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Thank you for listening and look out for some more podcasts coming soon.